Hello, Falava. This is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Alicia Fearne. Coming up... New Zealand Rugby's Pacifica strategy aims to enable, embrace and empower positive outcomes and experiences for Pacifica at all levels of rugby. A new initiative is providing Pacifica rugby players the chance to transition into management and decision-making positions. Also, new reports show RSC schemes in New Zealand and Australia are having a positive impact. And later... We did it for our island, our small island. Uh, no one knew us. It's just a perfect night. Team Fiji and French Polynesia rake in gold at the Pacific Games in Honiara. A new initiative is providing Pacifica rugby players the chance to transition into management and decision-making positions. The New Zealand Rugby Pacifica strategy 2024-2029 to is set to bridge the gap and enhance Pacifica rugby here in Aotearoa. Only 3% of rugby board directors in New Zealand rugby are of Pacific descent. 7% are staff members a sobering statistic compared to the fact that Pacifica make up the highest proportion of players in Aotearoa. RNZ Pacific senior sports journalist Eliesa Tora was at the launch in Auckland's Eden Park and filed this report. A new pathway for Pacific rugby players will help them graduate from playing the great game to calling the shots at the decision-making table. Pacifica make up 36% of players in the Black Ferns and Black Fern Sevens contracted between 2021 and 2025, and 38% for players contracted in the All Blacks and the All Blacks Sevens. New Zealand rugby chair Dame Patsy Reddy says the New Zealand Rugby Pacific strategy will enable those retired from the field to further their careers in rugby. New Zealand rugby's Pacifica strategy aims to enable, embrace and empower positive outcomes and experiences for Pacifica at all levels of rugby. We have touched on how Pacifica players have contributed on the field and the need for both Pacifica and non-Pacifica to learn, adapt and embrace each other to increase the quality and number of opportunities off the field. NZRU Chief Executive Officer Mark Robinson says the initiative will help develop capacities in governance and administration. Mainly on the playing side, to be honest. You know, the great, great players of, of yesteryear and the current players. But it also shone a light on the future opportunities of working more closely with, with Pacifica um, across a wider range of areas in the game. And, and I think that's one thing that's been highlighted today and, and through the work that we've done around the, the role so that um, Pacifica will and should have in the space around um, governance, administration, coaching and those sort of areas. In the Super Rugby Aupiki competition for women, 30% of contracted players are of Pacifica origin, while 26% of players in the Super Rugby Pacific New Zealand teams are Pacifica players. Eroni Cluck, a former All Black and one of the architects of the Pacifica strategy, says ensuring Pacifica thrive in rugby is part of the reason why the strategy has been devised. So I think the, the real important thing for us is ensuring that there's continuation of, of people that will come and will pick up, the, I suppose, the, the mantle to carry on in terms of really uh, seeing and creating that we can create more better environments for Pacific in rugby. And I think that's the real key thing here is how do we create better environments for Pacific, for our Pacific peoples to flourish in rugby. Pacifica lawyer and Tausoa Fatasi, Pacifica Advisory Group co-chair, Pauline John Luton says it sets a pathway that can also benefit women's rugby. 
I think probably we've been hurt for so long by not people give us empty promises and then they don't actually deliver upon them. So if we actually implement this really well, have that information, have that data, we will have people that are there. We'll have pathways, we'll have mentoring, we'll have workshops. But equally, um, I always liken it that we have our Pacifica grow with knowledge, but at the same time, in the same pace, we still need to have our non-Pacifica grow with knowledge. Meanwhile, former American football star Manasse Jesse Saopolu, who was guest speaker at the launch, says the strategy is a great step towards creating opportunity to help growth and development of the field. If you look at the legacy of rugby, they're right up there in the top 50 of all time. You're going to find a lot of Pacific Islanders. I know because I grew up watching the game. We need to use that as a vehicle to advance all vision, not only on the field to continue to inspire the players of today, but off the field. The Pacifica strategy is a partnership between the New Zealand Rugby, the Tauso Fatasi Pacifica Advisory Group, and Moana Connect. Two new reports say labour mobility schemes in New Zealand and Australia have had an overall positive impact for Pacific nations. It comes as countries raise concerns over losing skilled labour. The studies conducted by the World Bank and Australian National University interviewed more than 2,000 workers from Kiribati, Tonga and Vanuatu. One of the authors, Zhang Duan, says the schemes have economic and social benefits. She spoke to Caleb Fotheringham. The vast majority of workers are satisfied with their experience in the scheme across many dimensions, including how they feel they are being fairly treated by the employers or being fairly treated in, in the host country, as well as accommodations in the host country as well. And the families of these workers tend to perceive that participation in the scheme are beneficial not only for themselves, but also for the broader communities that they live in. But having said that, nothing is perfect. Through our study, we also find that there are issues and challenges that need to be addressed. A minor share of workers are dissatisfied with their experience in the scheme, and most of their complaints are related to salary deduction being excessive or being unclear to them. They also express demand for more portability to work for different employers, as well as flexibility in managing their own affairs, such as paying the pre-departure costs or managing their own accommodation. There is also demand for improved healthcare, private healthcare insurance, especially related to pregnancy and dental problems coverage. We also find through the studies, there are social pressures on the family that participate in these schemes. In particular, the absence of workers when they work overseas create um, increased workload and stress on the family members who stay behind, as well as some adverse outcome assurance, such as cases of neglect and behavioral problems on the kids. There are also obviously reports of family breakdowns and increased argument with the family. And at the community levels, there are issues related to adverse perceptions or moral judgments and gossip regarding the female workers who are in the scheme. This is partly um, noticeable among communities where only a few women participate in the scheme. That's why I'm a little bit confused because you, you were talking about family breakdowns before but also said that relationships had improved for a lot of these families when the workers went overseas. How does that line up? 
There are two studies, they are like siblings that we have just launched. One is a quantitative study based on quantitative survey of of more than 2,000 workers and more than 4,200 households. And the other is a qualitative study based on in-depth qualitative interviews of more than 400 workers. So what we're trying to to, to do with these two studies is to show a comprehensive broad pictures of the situation of those who are directly involved in this scheme, meaning the workers and, and their households. So what we found from the quantitative part is the large share of workers who are interviewed reported improved relationships with their kids, with their, their, their spouse and their partners. However, there's still a minority that said participating in this scheme has adverse outcome, adverse impact on their family relationship. And when we dig deeper to understand what happens among those who experience or who reported negative impact on, on their relationships, that is where the, the qualitative study came in and complement the quantitative studies. Across these issues, the two studies are consistent. The qualitative in-depth interviews bring out the nuances and explains what happened among these family, these workers that experience an, uh, that has a negative experience, and that's where we see reports of family breakdowns and arguments and pressure on the families when when workers are away for a long period of time. Um, so I don't think they are at odds with each other. And to be clear, the benefits in relationships that is from a lack of money stress. Partly, yes. When we try to understand why worker reported improved relationships. In many cases, it is thanks to increased income and goods that, that were sent home, and that helped to decrease potential conflicts where money constraint and money stress was a source of conflict before. However, there are more than that. Workers also reported more frequent communication between spouses and partners and better understanding and appreciation of each other's roles that helped to reduce the conflicts among them as well. Some more, they've decided to put a cap on their seasonal workers because of concern over brain drain. So obviously they still have concerns. How do you view that fitting in with a net positive impact? So from our studies, from both of our studies, we do see and see data and numbers and hear stories from the workers and their family on the negative impact. So those concerned about the adverse impact of the scheme are valid. And the study do not disagree with, with such concern. We see that and we acknowledge that. What we want to do, however, on this, through this study is to provide a broader picture on overall how is it for, for the majority of the, of the workers and then identifying through the study these are the issues that, that exist and they need to be addressed. So we are not dismissing those concerns at all. In fact, our study do point to the same issues that has been raised. As I said, pressure on the families, reports or, or cases of family breakdown and extramarital affairs, neglects on children, for example, um, and those issues exist. But from our study, what we see is it happened to the minority of the workers, but not to be ignored, obviously especially when we have a large number of workers who have participated in these schemes so far. So even a small percentage would translate into a, a quite substantial absolute number in terms of how many cases are, are out there. And through our reports, we do bring out several recommendations, hopefully to help address these concerns going forward. 
It was raining gold medals at the Pacific Games on the weekend for Team Fiji and French Polynesia. Playing in wet and steamy conditions, Fiji took out double gold in the men's and women's sevens, while Tahiti accomplished the same feat in volleyball. Kuroi Hawkins is covering the games in Honiara and filed this report. In the men's sevens, Fiji beat Samoa 19-5 and the women defeated Papua New Guinea 17-7. Fiji men's captain, Soliano Volivoli Tuibe, led from the front, scoring the team's first try. He says he told the boys going into the match to stay calm. Uh, I told the boys when we arrived in Solomon Island, we came here, we mean business, we came here to defend our gold medal. I told the boys, never panic, never... The Fiji women's captain, Mereula Toroti, thanked fans back home and around the world in Vosabakaviti. Fiji women's coach Jim Volovola was beaming with pride and saluted his players. It means a lot to these young, uh, beautiful ladies. It means a lot. I take my hats off for them. Yeah, they're fighting till the end. Yeah, I take my hats off to this uh, young girl. It didn't seem to be all about winning, though, as silver medalists PNG and bronze medalists Wallace and Futuna huddled together for a group photo with Fiji. Wallace and Fortuna's Teani Feleu says it was their first time at the tournament, so finishing on the podium was extra special. It means everything. We, uh, it's the first time we, we put a team together to, to, do, uh, to play in the Pacific Games for the uh, seventh tournament, so it just means everything. We did it for our island, our small island. Uh, no one knew us, so yeah, it's just, it's just a perfect night. But the big upset was in basketball, where the Fiji men dethroned two-time champions Guam by 51 points to 47. Guam captain and veteran basketballer Ty Wesley says this was a tough one to take, but had this message for the fans. You know, we get knocked down, you know, in life, and basketball doesn't always go your way. But we'll get back up, we'll be better, we'll come back. For a good chunk of the fourth quarter, Fiji was able to defend a three-point lead and even extend it by one just before the buzzer. Guam coach EJ Calvo says his men missed some crucial shots, but he hopes they use the loss as fuel for future competitions. On a night like this where it's one game for it all, if you don't make shots in the fourth quarter, it's going to be tough to expect a gold medal. So uh, if anything, I know the team will never forget this moment. Uh, and we'll work even harder to get back here once again and, and next time secure the goal. Fiji's captain, Marcus Whippy, also a veteran player, was emotional after the match and dedicated the win to his late uncle, Michael. First time I put on the jersey was when I was 15 years old and he was the coach. And uh, playing today, you know, this was, this was for him. You know, all of us have our, our reasons to play for Fiji and... Fiji is a rugby country, but uh, hopefully this, this win will put basketball up there with rugby some, somehow. Mirroring Fiji's exploits, French Polynesia bagged the double gold in volleyball, with the men defeating Papua New Guinea in straight sets and the women beating Cook Islands by three sets to one. In the women's basketball finals, it was again Tahiti and the Cook Islands squaring off, with the French Polynesians coming away with the win 53-46 to complete their triple gold.
That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back to any of our previous episodes, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, Tonfa Soifua.